Yeah. So in a way, I'm on the edge of Web3. I quit my day job because I had someone from the Web3 community. He came from vFriends. He is a vFriend holder. And now he's my boss. Well, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good morning, wherever you are in the world, whenever you're listening, if you're watching live or listening to the rerun of this episode, welcome to a brand new Social Confos. I'm Shaluk. Next to me is Diego. Diego, how are you, man? Yeah, good evening. And especially good evening to our guests that will, will pop out, pop up in a second. I'm doing great. And today it's a pretty fun date. 22 020. 02-2022. I think that's a special word for it. I saw it on Twitter, but I yeah, to it. yeah, there's but, like uh, a whole saying about it. Yeah. It's a you, great wedding date. So there are probably a lot of people getting married. Actually, I wanted to launch something today, but <laughs> unfortunately it wasn't, it wasn't, the, the goal wasn't realistic. So we decided not to launch it today. Well, what we are launching is a fun conversation with Bo Small, the founder of the Dutch NFT community. And as our regular viewers know, the past couple of weeks, the last few months, we've been especially looking into the Web3 space, the NFT space, the developments in it. And when I encountered Bo and seeing how this Dutch NFT community kind of grew, slowly grew, and to have, you know, people who also speak Dutch, it, it kind of binds you in a different way than the other communities. So I, I joined the server and it was really fun. Uh, they hold like weekly discords after, after dinner sessions, talking about topics on NFTs, uh, economics, etc. open mics. And I think Bo can tell us more about it. So I want to welcome him up. Bo Small, welcome to Social Convos. Hey guys, nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, it's really nice seeing your faces this time because it's first for me. Yeah, I'm just really happy to be here and yeah, let's get into this. Okay. Yeah, Discord is a very different story because usually you join these chats, you have voice channels only, maybe someone streaming their screen on what they're doing, doing an art project, but it's usually only voice. And then you have the yeah. stages as well, just like Twitter spaces. But yeah, having a, a face to match the name definitely is something else. So to kick it off, Bo, I, I want to bring it all the way back, I guess, to when you started uh, with NFTs. So for me, I heard about NFTs like 2019, 2020 already. Had a friends, couple of friends being in the space, joined the Decentraland kind of expo. But it's only in February, March 2021, where the hype to kind of semi-mainstream kind of picked up. And then you had Gary B launching his few French project. So that was the first real interaction with me for NFTs. How was your interaction? Yeah. So I started with, uh, crypto end of 2020, but I heard of it like in 2017 as friends who were using paper wallets and I, I didn't have any room for something extra, right? I was a young guy. I was trying to figure out what girls were like and trying to figure out school and just social things. I, I just 
skipped the whole part of crypto. And when it came back out uh, in, into my life, I was sitting at work and this guy came to my table, actually my desk, it was right there in the mechanic shop. And he, he was standing next to me looking on his phone and he said, oh, Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, Bitcoin, it's going crazy. And I was like, oh shit, I'm missing the boat. Sorry. Can I curse? Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. You're free. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I, I was like, oh, I really need to get into this because I, I, I'm really missing, missing out. And normally I get these things. And so I started digging in again. So this was like November, 2020. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I started digging in and I, I couldn't figure it out. I had friends who were really an analytical, right? So I've got a friend who's at the Theo Delft. So he's a really quant type of guy building algorithms to figure out when to buy, when to sell, uh, market trend analytics. And, but yeah, he, he was making K after K and I was like, what's going on here? I, I don't get this. It, it's too hard. It, it's, it's, it's giving me so much stress. So. Then Corona hit, right? So I had a lot of time to spare, I guess, or it started rumbling around Corona because around the time, end of 2020, I started figuring out the, the blockchain wax and all the collectibles there and that clicked with me, right? So I started with, I think Binance Smart Chain first, not wax, Trillium. It was, it's from a, from a game called Alien Worlds. Yeah. So the game mechanics came around and, and then I saw, saw Wax and all the, the gaming potential and the collectible potential and started to trade some things and it went really, uh, really fluently. There was a market, right? So I thought, oh, this is cool. I can game and own my own stuff. And I went back to the time when I played Diablo three. And they had this cool mechanic where you could, yeah, sell the gear you, uh, won, right. By farming dungeons and all these things never really took off, but I re I was really fascinated because you were actually creating a micro economy. People were getting paid to play next to, uh, games like RuneScape, you know, where, where people were working for years already to get some coins and selling them for a euro. So that, that was my first real encounter with NFTs and it was just an instant unlock for me. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I had a discussion similar to this with somebody and he also mentioned like NBA 2K also has these extra capabilities that you can earn certain things. And within the traditional gaming, they're very wary of these microeconomics that games create for themselves, that they create a community within the game. But it does connect to the idea of NFT gaming and, and play to earn gaming. And actually that was the, the Twitter chat that I was having today was about play, play to earn. That's also how I got into NFTs and I didn't know they were NFTs until the name NFTs started getting a little traction. I was like, wait, I already own a thousand NFTs. They're worth two cents, but still it's, it's a thousand dozens of them. So I do want to ask you, because like you said, it's really harsh to get into. And if there wasn't that connection that you had with, 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 with the technical side of it and you, that you tried, first of all, do you believe this is actually the future? 
And also to somebody who's still very skeptical to Web3 and NFTs, what would the most relatable thing be what you could tell them that they would understand the, the, the value or the relevance of it? Yeah. So I, I think it goes back to the fundamentals of, uh, blockchain, right? It's ownership. It's all revolving around ownership, ownership of your data, of your digital identity. I, I think it's close to circle in a way. Inclusivity is a big part of our world, right? We've, we've got a, a real big social movement running and digital ownership and the possibility to fund yourself digitally and exchange cryptocurrency for work and then own digital assets. It, it created an opportunity for everyone with access to digital goods. I think that's the most important thing. And I, it's, it's not directly around the, I, I like the art part, right? So royalties and the smart contract part, but I'm really interested in a real world user capabilities that broaden the spectrum of inclusivity. Does that answer your question, uh, John? Yeah, it's, it's still because, okay, with you're, you're really going into the mechanics, but I'm like for also, I'm being a devil's advocate, of course here, but also for somebody who's like new to the space. And I think there, there, because you mentioned going back there, there are two groups in, in the space. The first one is really the, the crypto, the Bitcoin maxis that are like decentralization, decentralization, decentralization. We want to move the power away from the established current established order and give it back to the people. Whereas the, yeah. the NFT community in, in my perception, it's more like we care about the utility. I mean, I don't care if, if the platform is centralized or decentralized, actually, if it's, it's being approved, like for instance, uh, UFC strike, NBA top shot, NFL all day, we don't mind that they're partnerships with the actual organization because it creates a validity for us that we know that this is around to stay. So, so you have on one side the people that say we want to decentralize everything and the community should be owner. And the other side, you have the NFT side that's all about utility and we don't care if it's really centralized. So which one are you like in the middle or more towards one side? Yeah, I think you need both, right? You re need those maxis and you need those people who are really optimistic, uh, optimistic because it, it balances things out. In every new technology form, there are parties who are completely opposites, right? Even with, if, if we go into vaccines, right? We know the mechanics, we know what it, it would do. If, if you look at just the technical part, there, there's just evidence, right? It's, it's a utility, it works. And there are still people who have feelings around the fact that it's not uh, right to do and I get the social aspect and I get the technical aspect and the beautiful thing, everybody has uh, their own choice, right? So you have the authority yourself, sovereign authority in a way. So personally, I don't really care at the moment that, that I'm, I'm buying certain things, but when I'm buying for a long-term project, 
and there is utility behind it and it cl clashes in a way, it, it, it really depends. You need context to form an opinion on certain projects, right? So, so without, without people, this is not financial advice. If you're watching, if you're listening, it's not a financial advice, <laughs> but Bo, if you would choose like a project, could you give us an example of a project where the utility of the project was so interesting for you that it was like a no brainer that you were like, I'm doing this. Yeah. For me, that was fee friends, right? If, if you, if you tell me you're going to do a four year conference or a three year conference, sorry, at a stadium. The venue wasn't acquired yet, but they, they were going to host a, a big event for at least 10,000 people. It would be really high end for four days. And, and, and the calculation was made really quick, right? So it's like three to 4k a day. If you pay less than 12k, it's a, it's a kind of a good risk, right? So it was a really easy bet for me to, to step in next to that. There was a, a certain operator behind the project who I really adore, right? So I'm a fan of Gary V. I see his potential. I see, I can, I can look up his track record and, and that convinced me as well. So I'm, I'm taking the utility, but also betting on the horse or at, on the jockey. Sorry. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And that's kind of also the, the same reason I, so to speak, aped into it. Well, once you get into the, the web free space, you start using certain terminology and free speak. So I heard about VFriends say around April, beginning March. Yeah. End of April where the, when the announcement came and I was talking about, about it. We actually had a live show about the announcements, etc. And we were kind of very, as you say, apprehensive at first. And because there was no one who at that point had kind of publicly put their face and reputation on the line to try something this radical, new and staking so much to it. So after the, I think May 5th, what was the supposed launch and that kind of failed, I saw a lot of people on Twitter kind of, uh, abandon, uh, the project and it sat there for like almost a week before selling out completely. And I was in a discord seeing how the community kind of engaged together with it and kind of that, that part clicked for me, like, oh, there's actually a real community behind it with a person with a track record kind of, um, building this project. I didn't even know, yes, the conference was great, but seeing those people come together, that kind of was the moment for me. And so I, I want to shift the conversation to the direction of community. Because I saw your posts within the Fee Friends community, because I was also looking for Dutch native speakers within the community connect to. And your your posts were the ones that I kind of saw frequently, especially with the profile picture with the Dutch flag. And suddenly I saw you you had your own Discord, and that's kind of how I joined the the OG uh, Discord from then. What prompted you to take that step to kind of cultivate that community for a, a, a Dutch, a Dutch speaking scene. The whole missing the boat for me was like, I need to explore things that I've been missing the past few years. So I wasn't using any socials, no Facebook, no LinkedIn, no Snapchat, no Instagram, no TikTok, nothing. 
But I really started digging into Gary Vee, right? So, but before you continue, I do want to know if you're not on any socials, how did you become a fan of Gary Vaynerchuk to YouTube or somewhere else? No, listen, I, I, I started working out a strategy for me because I was having a hard time gaining new knowledge. So I was like, what do I have to do to scale my own thinking? Right? So I figured it out there's audio and audio really works for me because in conversation and in free flow, uh, thought processes, it really comes to me. Inspiration, ways of thinking, working out certain problems in my life. So I started using audiobooks to scale my own thoughts in a way. So I was working, I wasn't really engaged with my work because it was kind of repetitive for me. You, you have that certain moment in life that you start uh, running, yeah, the hamster wheel, right? So I started playing a storytell. It's not enough, not an ad, sorry, but at one and a half times the speed at certain books I was interested in. So I started out with negotiations. So I had like negotiations around my co contract coming up and I was like, okay, uh, what are the best books that I can listen to regarding negotiations? So I was. A week before I went into the negotiation, I listened to like 10 books and I, I got all the best practices, right? Because if you hear something 10 times, you're like, okay, God, that must be good. So I kind of figured out the negotiations and it was an unlock for me. Right? So I kept doing that. And at a certain point I found marketing and you get into Seth Godin, Seth Godin jumps you through hoops like Gary does. So I figured out Gary, uh, let jab, 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 right hook, all those books. And then I got to the Gary V audio experience. So I listened like 16,000 minutes of audio experience in a year. Right? So I got brainwashed big time after I bought my fee friends, but that, that was the moment I got triggered. Right? So that was like in January. In 2021 and then V friends came up and I was like, oh, I need, I know what this guy is thinking. I know what this guy is thinking. I'm, I'm going to buy this. <laughs> it's so beautiful that I, I'm so glad that you told this story because for us audio. So in Suriname, for instance, we don't have a very big audio community. Like podcasting is still in the early stages. Also partly because radio is really good. Like we're not oversaturated with ads, like in the U S or in Europe. So listening to the radio is pretty good. And radio keeps you in touch with what the people think. So also the commute is kind of different. So a lot of people who watch usually during their commute, which often is over an hour would listen to audio. We would just listen to the radio, especially if it's just a 20 minute drive. So these kind of things are very interesting to also see like. In, in other parts of the world where the audio experience is really something that people are like, yeah, I'm listening to audio and to hear somebody who has connected with the Gary Fee experience, not through social media for me is really, really interesting. And that kind of explains what he always says, like you have to be out there everywhere 
because you have to be visible and aware, create awareness everywhere. And that's something that's yeah. really, really interesting. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And coming back to the community part, that's, that's the reason why I started, right? So I had a, a, this strange sensation that I didn't have the people around me who got me in a way. And I felt connection through those projects like VFriends. And I felt a really open way of thinking and like finding your peers in a way. So I started there just asking people, yo, guys, it would be really cool if we could connect in real life, right? So, or at least in Dutch because it, it makes things le less frictional and every, everywhere where you work with left, less friction, really cool things pop up. And I really wanted to have people around me where I could go to VCon with. So, because not all of your friends think it's a wise investment to buy a JPEG <laughs> that costs you like 6,000 euros, right? So. Speaking of that circle of friends and was there anyone in your like immediate circle that, that got that friends, siblings or anything, or, or why are you just like an, an island in, in that space at, at the beginning before starting the community? Yeah, I, I, I was, I, I was on a real island, but also kind of my family really uh, believes me because I don't get loud, uh, really quick. Right. So I was like, guys, you really need to invest in this. You need to figure out how these things work. And I'm going to create a group and, and I'll share, share everything I learned with you guys, but you really need to listen because there's, there's a kind of, there's a lot of merit also to this part of the world. So let's figure this out together. And so my brother started investing, my sister started investing, my nephew started investing. And we all made money and we all had fun and we all lost a lot of time. But during that process, I figured out if I can convince my brother and sister or our half brother and sister. So they're like 50, right? So if I can convince that generation so easily of something I'm, I have conviction about my peers, my people in my age group will be figuring this out as well. And I, I, I can find the people who are trying to figure this out right now. So I, I really went on a mission. Like you said, you need to put yourself out there to get heard. So I started the, the discord group. I started making these, these ads, my profile has this click here, uh, button and I've got the touch flag in my, in, in my profile picture. So I tried to stand out in a way just to get all these people in one group and to, to communicate and to create value for each other and to scale each other. Right. Yeah. And I, I gotta say it, it kind of worked, especially that the, the, the link and everything, because literally that, that is how I, I clicked the link, checked your discord profile, click the link and join. And this brings us, it, it was very small in the beginning. I think maybe 10, 10, 15 people. And you, you call the discord group, the Dutch, the Dutch NFT team, was it? Cause, yeah. yeah. Cause, cause it was a very small group and it was, I think mostly people from the fee friend surfer. I, I'm not sure you can correct me if, if yeah, exactly. people outside so, joined. How did that evolve into what it is now into the Dutch web three community? Cause I, I, 
it's only in the past month that I've been really, you know, being active in the server, looking what's going on. So could you walk us through that evolu the evolution process from the Dutch NFT team to the Web3 community? Yeah, so we started as the Dutch NFT team with a few people who were really committed to, to making something of it. People were really, already interested in creating their own NFT projects and some people really quit, quit their job from the, that first inner circle. So we've got the OGs in the Discord and most of those OGs are still active, but not really contributing in a major way to our community because they're just too busy figuring out Web3 for themselves. But once in a while I, I get a call or a message, yo, I really appreciate what, what we're building together. I still feel connected and let's keep this going. I want to support, but not that to the foreground. I don't know if, if I, I explain it well, but they just don't have want to be seen. So the Dutch NFT team was, was this small group. And after a while, we had a few sessions to, with smaller groups in Rotterdam and smaller groups in Amsterdam. And then it, it spread it a bit like wildfire. We had the Dutch, Dutch NFT community name after our fir first big event in Amsterdam, because we, we had this small meeting in Amsterdam and this crazy Dutch German guy, Dolator on Twitter, follow him. He, he came over and he was already trying to figure out how to bring the Dutch community together in a way. and he we fitted the last piece because we were already building a crowd and it was like, oh, we need to get everybody here in, in Amsterdam and we are going to create a big party around the artists. And I was like, oh, let's, let's do the, the first festival in, in the Netherlands. And it was like, oh, that's too big. We'll figure it out. Don't worry. And I was like, okay. So in a week I, I was in Amsterdam and there was beer and there were pizza and there were artists, uh, uh, there was a panel, there was VR, there was everything there, what you would like in a social conf conference, right? So there were like 150 people. And after that event, another lockdown came, but the communities kept growing because we started to get really engaged with the people who were there. And we started to converse with more artists because we got the confirmation that what we were doing was was, was really valuable because web three is around uh, it, the core at the core of web three, the people are leading, right? So not only the artists, not only the, 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 the trading, it's really the people who are having fun and want to connect in a way. And if it's through art or figuring out the newest project or building own project, it's every time the only constant is the people. So. We started to converse more and on a deeper level. And you're starting to see after seven months, eight months, the people are really growing into certain roles, right? And trying to pick up uh, things at, uh, at a professional level, trying to figure out if they could work within Web3 or blockchain or anything affiliated to it. So that's why we thought, yeah, we need to change the name because it doesn't suit. It, it, it's too small. So we, we changed to the Dutch web three community because we're growing together and our whole, whole journey up until now, everybody, the community has grown, but also the people within the community have grown. Right. And I think we're, we're undercutting the whole thing. If we don't grow together and start acting like professionals in a way.
Nice. So Diego, we finally got an answer to the question, what is it if it's turned around a palindrome? And we have people uh, on LinkedIn commenting to each other. And I quickly want to do a shout out to Nigel. I hope he's recovering well. Uh, and the reason I bring Nigel up is I recently followed his Discord server because for me, Discord is like this burden. For me, it's an extra channel. It's something extra that I have to do. And there's so much awesome options in, in Discord. But how did you get started with Discord? And, and how do you kind of make it your main communication channel? Because for me, that seems like it's, it's for me, it's a high threshold. We started all the way around, right? So we're Discord native in a way. And I think that makes it kind of easier because I had to get, get to know every platform because I haven't used socials in seven years. So I started out with discord and I was like, oh, I need to communicate with people on Twitter. So I, I need to make Twitter. And I was like, oh, we've got this thing that's called Instagram with all the, the yeah, the, the ladies <laughs> on it. Right. So I, I need to make Instagram because certain artists really like to post their own art there. So I, I needed a platform there. And if you, if you get into a cycle of getting to know new platforms, you get the common nominators and I think it just grew over time, right? You're, I, I, I was following a lot of NFT projects with a group of people and just by myself every night, three, four, five hours. And at a certain point in time, you, you get to know the, the tricks and uh, you figure out, yeah, if you enter a, a discord, you have to verify yourself. Why do we have you have to verify yourself? Oh, you need two factor authentication. Okay. You need, so you go through the steps really organically as it, and if, and if you start off from the, the consumer side in a way you just get to see every best practice and we try to implement it a bit in our discord but it our discord is not that sophisticated right we how many people to, do you have in your discord currently just 650 so it's not that big but we've got an engaged crowd and we've got a people who are proud and really big names in 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 the nft scene like People who are at the core team, Mechaverse, right? And Oniforce and The Fabricant. So these are pretty big names just originating from the Netherlands. It's just such a small country, right? But everybody has a home there and everybody has a, a channel there and a possibility to discuss what they are, are all about. And that's the fun thing. We started the Dutch Web3 community podcast, right? in Dutch and it's all about the community members. So every week we take a person from the community who has something to say and everybody has something to say because you're all people, right? And so we created the first community podcast, right? I don't, I haven't seen a community podcast ever. It's just funded and led by our community. And it's so much fun to get to know everybody and to figure out what it will bring over a few years. Yeah. I think that's the best part about web tree because example, the weekly tweet chat that we're holding hive chat, for instance, we've now passed, I think 84 weeks nonstop, like for the past 48, uh, 84 weeks, we have never missed a weekly hive chat. 
And it's due to the fact that the community becomes the host. So every week there's another host. So if I screw up for some reason, I'm not there, the hive chat still goes on without me, but it, it's interesting what you mentioned, uh, that you started out from that space because I was searching for people that could help me out set up a discord. And because for me, discord is kind of like a new WhatsApp group or a Facebook group. That's how I approach it. I don't differentiate between those things. And then somebody reached out to me who's big in the gaming industry in Suriname. And he was like, yeah, we get paid to do that. And I was like, oh, of course, gamers and discord. Why didn't I make that connection? Why didn't I reach out to the gaming community to explain uh, discord to me? But I have a commitment here from uh, Nigel that he's going to help me out in his discord. And he says, yes, already has the biggest name. His Discord decipher. Well, the the Dutch web tree community also has decipher in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not big at all. I'm just a, a lurker. <laughs> We're happy to have you. So, so it's interesting that you mentioned that the community kind of takes its own role, and people are really getting into the space. I also have a friend a friend in the Netherlands who will be after this episode joining this Discord server for sure. Oh, that's amazing. And I might jump in as well. But I do feel and and you already said some of the big names behind Mechaverse and people you don't even realize are actually behind these kind of projects. When you look at the timeline comparing Europe versus the US are you on par in Europe with where the US is in the NFT and Web3 space? Or you do feel that there's kind of like the market is, we're not really aware yet, whether it's in South America or in Europe of the opportunities and the US is still in many cases when it comes to NFT projects and Web3 still a little bit ahead of everybody else. Yeah, so I, I think there are a few use cases who are uh, really successful. Also, if you look at the fabricant as a nice use case, they've been building for three, four years now, I think. So it, it, there are really big names from Europe. It's just a fact, right? But I don't think it's, it's a comparison. There are so few people globally involved with NFTs. There's a lot of hype and there's a lot of headline reading in a way. But let's, let's talk about the, the, the open sea phishing attack, right? There's all these people who, who stepped in on LinkedIn and were announcing open sea has been hacked and the cowboy practices are, are just, are a big problem. Things are really escalating within web three and it's, it's just those people really want a podium in a way and we need to be careful, right? We need to be, we need to do our due diligence on every project, but creating a FUD on an upcoming industry without having knowledge of the industry, it's just not, not really a good practice in my opinion. I don't know how you guys are experiencing that kind of news and if you see a difference within those markets, because I th I do think the Asian market is making an uprise with all the, they call it the waifus, right? So I've been seeing a lot of anime. Yeah. Um, Azuki, there's another one, As As Azuna, Azuki, and Azuki. they've been making waves. So, so what I'm 
here from Europe is usually only from what I see in the Dutch, the Web3 community, but also from some of my friends who are living in the Netherlands, like uh, who are in the space. Nigel, who's in the chat here, is currently in the Netherlands. So he's, he's also trying building his own community. So I just shared the invite link to the Web3 community, Nigel, if you want to check that out. But also some other friends, like also in the Netherlands, one of the artists, I think Yella found him. And I, I did invite him already, but I've invited him to the podcast. But as you said, some people want to be in the background at the moment. So it, it, it's very different. And a lot of what you see happening in the mainstream media, and let's call it mainstream right now, Twitter, is very US centric. So I do not get a lot of exposure from Asia at the moment. So I, I don't know what's happening there, like in Vietnam or Japan, what's happening. Even though it is anime inspired, I still feel like it is Western artists or Western communities behind it. So in that sense, I think I, I strongly feel that the U.S. still has a strong influence within the, the exposure and reach that this community, that this uh, space has. So having communities like local communities, like this pop-up in Europe, for example, I think is a good countermeasure to, to balance out the, the ethos in you know, to have different perspectives. What I'm trying to get it is there's a lot happening around the world, especially if you take a step back in blockchain and cryptocurrency industry. So not just NFTs, for example, there's a lot of tension right now in, in, in the world, like with the recent Canada stuff that happened with Canada, with the UK announcing a cent central bank digital currency that's programmable. So. I honestly don't know where to place all this at the moment and having a grounded community does help to keep your narrow focus. That's kind of what I have to say about how I feel that is I'm not sure if you have any different, uh, perspective on that, Chanuk. Yeah. I, I mean, it's maybe it's, it's, it's because in, in general, Americans are pretty much the ones always the marketing and the branding and it comes from them and that's why they're, they're so so proponent in industry and like what Bo also mentioned is you also have to watch out for, for projects that are way being blown beyond proportions and are big. And then all of a sudden the project crashes because there is no utility to it. So I think, I think that's also something that these kind of communities who are really people that are into the spaces, they will quickly tell you like, Hey guys, this project, there's some red flags there. Watch out if you, if you go into that project. And I do want to ask Bodo, you mentioned a part where people are saying like, I'm going to make web three, my own thing. I'm going to focus, focus my career on web three, and I'm going to leave the traditional work behind. Where are you in that process? Are you saying like, listen, I just have my day job and, or my day business, and I'm doing this on the side to the extent where you're saying like, no, I'm, I'm living fully off web three now. Yeah. So. In a way, I'm on the edge of Web3. I quit my day job because I had someone from the Web3 community. He came from vFriends. He is a vFriend holder and now he's my boss. So he's been following the, the whole trajectory, the, the, the whole journey, right? So he, he joined as an OG in our community. He's been following what we've been saying to each other. We've been growing together. He's been learning with us. And he was like, yo, come over. I've got a company. It's in recruitment. We've got these things in common. 
We both like, we both share the same sentiments. I want to disrupt the recruitment industry with Web3. Where do we start? And I said to him, I don't know, but I want to join. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> We'll figure it out. LFG, LFG. So that, that was like two weeks ago and I've been working, I've worked for a week now and we still don't know where we're going, but that doesn't matter. We're in a startup phase. So we're really trying to figure out our space or our, the, the, the value that the web layer would add to a normal company, because we've got some mechanics worked out with money distribution, distribution, creating communities. And the question appears when you're building for web three, does fundamentals work right in web two? So you can accept the decentralization part. You can use the same fundamentals because you can work around transparency. You can work about around security. You can work around honesty. But you can't create it on a blockchain always. It, it's really hard. The technology is not that and it, accustomed to these, these use cases. So you really need to create the new wheel in a way. And some things don't need to be completely decentralized, right? Yeah. The, the right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard figuring it out. But you can gamify it though. There, yeah. you were saying in recruitment, for instance, you can gamify it where you would give some kind of a token or an NFT for somebody who was recruited to a company by your company. And then if you, if you were there for longer than a year, you get another a badge or another token. So you can, yeah, game, maybe. you can gamify it. It's it, it, like you said, your, your imagination is going to have to run wild because it's kind of never been done before. But then again, if you search at the right places, you'll come up with gamification systems that might actually make it more fun because that's something that like recruitment is something that every company in the world basically is struggling with, unless you have like a real people centric system in place. So I think that's, it's, it's very fascinating. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys will a year from now, if, if we invite you back. You'll be able to give us a couple of use cases that might inspire. Yeah, us. I hope so. I hope so. And it, it, it all goes back to community building, right? So let's say I, I, sometimes I explain these projects within the NFT space as a company. So you have the possibility to check the books. You have the possibility to figure out who's running the, the, the shop. Uh, you have the possibility to figure out, to talk to the owners, right? And you, you get incentivized by working with the owners or as an employee, or so you can become a moderator or an admin for, for a project, or you can start building with the project as a team member. So in a way we're already decentralizing work, right? So if you figure out a way to create a community and also work together and create that bonding that companies are struggling with and verifying your data through the blockchain and complete transparency, that, that would be amazing, right? Because uh, can I ask you guys just a quick market overview? Have you guys been recruited anytime in your uh, working career? I have not, but Jean-Luc has. A recruited is when a company approaches you to go work for them, right? 
Yeah. So yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've had way. Yeah. Like when it comes to companies approaching me, I've been recruited, I think twice, both of the times I said no. Okay. And why did you say no? The first one was a big multinational that's uh, established in Suriname. And I felt I wasn't connected to their brands, their, their products. So I didn't think I was a proper fit. And the second one, they were recruiting me, but I was like, in, in response, I sent them an invoice for things that we could possibly do together. Cause I was thinking as an employee, I was thinking as a business owner. Oh. So, so that's, that's basically uh, the reason. Yeah. So maybe not the right uh, test group, but usually did you find, uh, let's, let's ask something else. Did you find the process transparent in a way? So, oh, totally, did, not. totally not, totally <laughs> not. So that, that's what, what's uh, what I'm trying to say. So people who get recruited at the moment find, um, find it not transparent. It's not that negotiation, which you would like with the company, right? So they, they don't show you the details of the contract. They don't show you how much they're going to earn over your back. Right. So no, it's because, all these, sorry to jump in, but it's because they are big established companies and you see it yeah. as a, you should see it as a privilege to go work there. Like, yeah. and in, in this case, the two companies I'm talking about, one of them is like, I wish I had stock in that company. And the other one's like, nah, I really don't want to work there right now. So it really depends. But I think it's also, we see it as a generational thing where like in the past, I mean, it would be a privilege to work at a big company. It would like give you so much status within the local society that you wouldn't even think about the, 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 the small details in the contract because you were working at this big company, whereas now we're like, yeah, but I want to be happy. I don't want to work for a company. And then I have to fight for my position every day for things that have nothing to do with my actual skill or my actual work. So, exactly. so yeah, I, I understand where you, where you're going with this. So you're, you're pretty enlightened in, in that aspect, right? So you're, 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 you're figuring out, I, I've got ownership of myself. I, I can rule my own life in a way. And these big brands in a way are not going to leverage me into working for them because I can make my own rules in a way. So what if I could give you the chance to choose your own work, right? You're doing that already, but what if I figure out a way through this technology that you could be owner of yourself in a way? So that that's what we're trying to work out and to, to bring the power back to the people because you're, you're saying, I don't want to be at, at the mercy of big companies. I don't want to be a, in, at the mercy of the current market field, but I, I do want to own my own personal personality and my own data. And I want to be self-sovereign in a way. So if you get that with your digital identity, you could, you, you could own your data like Facebook does right now, right? Yeah. You get it. Yeah. Uh, think, yeah. Really uh, uh, interesting uh, now in your com in your company and trying to figure out if you have to be a Dutch native or not. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's, it's a really fine line to cross 
and it's it's really complicated and we have so many rules and yeah just local laws and taxes and everything to figure out and you're you're right on the money you can gamify things you can incentivize in a way but it's coming right we're going to create a technology that's fully automated that's it's going to revo revolutionize a market that hasn't been revolutionized before. It's really, yeah. really interesting. It, it is. And just, just to add to that, to add to your point, Shaluk, on, you know, that working at that big company for a, a certain prestige or the, the add, seemingly added value that it adds to you in certain societies or, or certain circles, it gives you that kind of build up a, a sense of credibility. And if you're shifting to this kind of, as Bo said, self-sovereignty, ownership of everything, not everyone can handle that either, I feel, especially how things have, you know, the, the, the past has conditioned us, you know, you have to conform to certain aspects and not everyone can handle that responsibility. Because in, in Web3, you, if you lose your keys, you lose your assets, that there is no institution or organization you can knock onto to Forgot say, hey, password. yeah. And how society has been conditioned now kind of not everyone can handle that responsibility and i think the the other part of this recruitment style is that part of education on self-ownership that also needs to be taught in a way of you know take ownership and i think that's, yeah. that's the fine line that you need to tread carefully on because yeah true and, and also to add on it it's also really important to, to figure out with a community, right? So there's this crypto natives, they're, they're already over this hurdle. Yeah. They, they know how to use it. So th those people can be your early adopters, right? But finding all these people who don't show their faces on discord and on Twitter, because they figured, oh, my data is mine and I'm go not going to dox myself in any way kind of way, uh, shape or form, it, it's really hard. So you, 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 this, this core group of people who need to help you figure out the technology are also the most elusive people in the world at the moment. That, that is a very good point. <laughs> Diego, before we go, because I think there's an interesting question by Miguel as well, but before we go, should we go for a quick over under? Do you want to address Nigel's question first, and then we can close up with a quick over? Yeah, sure, sure. So, uh, uh, Bo, what Nigel is asking is, uh, are you guys planning on launching your own NFT? I see a lot of utility that could be added to such a community, especially in the Netherlands. Hell of value to give back to the community. Don't you, I don't know if you have anything in mind. So Nigel was Dutch, right? Yeah. Well, certainly he's Dutch because, uh, most of us. Have yeah, strong ties with I, the I, Netherlands. I think he's in Rotterdam at yeah. the moment. Okay. So yeah, as I said, we have some people who know the workings, but it's really hard to get together because everybody has their own jobs. Everybody have the, has their own projects to work on. And we're trying to figure out if we have to bring this to a foundation and work from the foundation to get people some budget as well but as everything in this whole journey that started like a year ago we we haven't done it yet right so we 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 have done some research on DAOs. yeah 
we've have have done some research on NFTs, but it's it's really decentralized. So <laughs> it's it's really hard to get the decentralization every, makes it yeah so more complex. We've got we've got a lot of decentralization going in our community to get everything together and yeah, figure this out. So I'm going to sit. I'm so interesting. I want to know if, if, if Ruland, is Ruland also in a community? Diego, do you know? Who's that? Ruland is one of the, 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 the big dogs from, from Hive. He actually hosts the Hive Fest, the digital Hive Fest in, in the metaverse. So um, it would be interesting. It would be really interesting, but this is something for, we can continue on after the, the official uh, social convo. Yeah, so uh, just one thing to add, our NFTs are the DAO in a way, it would have to be created by the community because everything that has happened up until now, everything that has been good in a way, everything that has been bad, um, it was created by the people. And I think we have to keep doing that because that's the only way we're going to create a bigger a uh, better connected professional community and maybe a foundation as a, as a knowledge hub. Yeah, also as a legal entity in the Netherlands, yeah. I think it's, it's really important and you can use like both. You have the DAO basically for, for the, the, the crypto space. And then you have the a legal foundation for like, if you have any legislative work that has to be done, because like you said, the taxes and the law situation. That of course becomes important, especially in a country as the Netherlands, which is kind of already a little bit further with legislation when it comes to crypto investments than most other countries in the world. So I think you're, you definitely need to have both sides in need. Yeah. So I, I'm funding everything right now myself, right? So the website hosting, just the basic things, the, the, the discord boost. And it would, would make a lot of sense to move in that direction. And as you said, we need, we need some professional representation for our community. Also, if we want to host events, right? So we would like to host events with artists central because there are already communities within the web three scene that are trying to be really professional in a way, trying to catch the, the hype wave, but also trying to create legislation and. I think we're more community driven and more art oriented. So we're, we're using utility in a different manner than most web three or, or blockchain companies in the Netherlands right now, because you've got the base ENL and the Dutch blockchain foundation. I think it's the same, but there are two different, sorry, but they're really professional. A lot of extremely smart people within those communities. And, and I'd like to think we're just growing up as our community evolves, right? So people are growing with the times and everything will come due time. Yeah. That, that was our complicated at the moment, uh, seeing all this, the, the rocks and the DAOs that's been popping up on Twitter and the, the, the gas, there was one gas, gas now, gas, I, I forgot all the names, but, uh, SOS now. yeah, the, the SOS now oh, and uh, WTF. This is why I love Hive, Diego. This is why I love Hive because they figured it out already. And I think, especially for both, like having witnesses that get paid for doing the actual hard work, like Bo, nobody should, everybody in the community will agree if they would have to hand in one doge a month for you to pay the hosting. 
I mean, that would never, should never be an issue whatsoever. Quick, I think everybody quick, would, would be, would be interested in helping that. that quick company. question. I, I completely forgot. Have you heard about Hive yet or uh, explored the Hive blockchain at all? I'm not really aware of Hive. I, I've heard of it. And I think we had a channel within our community for a while because like proper, he was, he came in, he was like, oh, Hive is the shit, figure it out. Here's it. Here's the, here's the drop page. And he, he left again. So <laughs> if you could tell more about it, uh, it would be really welcome. I'm going to look up the channel. Okay. I joined some Telegram group, right? And he was like, oh, what are you doing? And he, he just joined the Discord right away and he started spamming it. And, Okay. okay. Oh, we'll, we'll give it a little bit, a, a, a less pushy approach. Don't worry about it. <laughs> give us, <laughs> give us one. I remember. <laughs> give us a, give us someone, give us someone. So uh, Diego, I think we can close off with, with uh, three over unders maybe. Yeah. Let, let's make it uh, quick and snappy. I'm sure you're familiar with Gary V's uh, over underrated kind yeah. of that concept. And, uh, we're going to give you some three each, uh, a subject and you just tell up if you think it's overrated, underrated. And of course, probably read it at the moment. So let's kick it off. Shanduk. So can, can I elaborate when I, yeah, so of course, we're waiting for your elaboration on it. So let's start off with an uh, easy one. The fee friends book games overrated or underrated. I think they're underrated mainly because the rules are not clear yet. And it's really, really, I, I'm in full suspense, right? What's going to happen? What, what, the, the, the mind games, this man is playing he is a games. It, it's just insane, right? Cause this floor keeps, keeps stable. Just 10% of 125,000 tokens stays at one zero two five, I think for months at end. And just because he's like, oh, it dipped a bit. Let me do a little announcement and it just goes stable again. And. Yeah, it's just really underrated. I don't know what's going to happen in full alert mode. But also the community, the way the community is like uh, scavenges all the tipsy drops. I, I found a document today, like a five page document with all the hints on book games, trying to figure out our, all the rules on how the uh, V2 drops going to be. So yeah. Yeah. And, and it's played forever. I don't know what it means, but I'm hodling. Team, team hold, team hold. Definitely. Team hold. Definitely. How, how, how many do you guys have? I got three, but I scooped up two more last week. It's because oh, the hint of five. Okay. Yeah. And like, Diego. okay. I have one. I only need love of optimism. That's it for me. I got the one oh. that I deserve. So I'm not, I'm not looking at it at the moment. In 10 years, 10 years from now, I'm just going to log into Immutable X and I'm going to see like, should I wait another 10 years or is it fine for me? <laughs> oh, people are, because yeah, I... yeah, people are going all, I mean, for me, it's, it's quite simple. I, I only need one. Yeah. Ju just to uh, answer Nigwell, Nigwell, you need to buy one more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and China was to buy four more. I'm just at least cut it. You need to have 10. Nigwell, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> all right. Next one. World of women. Yeah, World of Women is is probably probably rated because I bought it like a year ago when Gary started being really loud about it. Seven months, sorry, and he he really saw things coming, right? So I think it's at the level where it should be. It has the attention it should have. 
there are things happening within the community that are really exceptional and yeah, it's properly rated. Do you, do you guys have a word of women? No, I, I didn't buy it. I think the only thing I did go into was Avastars in, in the early friends days, but I, I didn't buy it on any other like deadheads, et cetera. I, I let them go, but. I should have suspected something with women would take traction because it always does in, in, in any scene. The, they run the world. The representation, yeah. What, what? I sold mine though. I'm sorry. Well, it's profits. Okay. It's okay. So for me, it's, it's quite simple. I started my crypto journey with 160, 160 euros. So it's, it's, I couldn't afford certain things when they were pop and trending and they came up. So I'm taking my own pace, slowly building all of what I started with. Because I also, for me personally, it's like, I want to be able for, for people that don't have like extra cash laying around. I want to know if, if I, if somebody else would start with 160 euros, would they be able to also make a living out of it? Yes or no? Is, 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 is that a question or no, that's just, that's just something I, I like to explore. I don't want to be like somebody who put a, puts a couple of thousand euros into something. And yeah, then I see like, wow, I made 20,000 uh, euros out of crypto. I want to be someone who put 160 euros in and can say in 10 years time, I made that 160 euros into 20 K. So that's kind of the idea behind it. And out of respect. Yeah. All right. So very cool. Next one. Uh, so, so, so you didn't buy the world of women at the time no, for, no. I also, I also didn't have, you can ask Diego that at a certain point I had to give him a hive so he could buy a certain NFT for me because I didn't have Ethereum because the Ethereum fees were the gas fees for, for me, like it's a no go. So just putting a couple of hundred dollars into gas fees for me, is like, I, I can't afford that. So, oh. uh, so I just said like, no, there, there's certain projects that I just don't dump into. If it's over half, I get it over half and eat. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have that kind of money laying around. So I do smaller projects, which brings me to the next over under sports related NFTs. And I want to keep it broad sports related NFTs. So NFT moments of certain sports games or moments in sports. I think they're overrated at the moment because there's no traction. I think people don't really, so NBA top shots were, was a thing, right? But it's more like collecting and getting the best one and flip flipping a bit. And, but it's, it's, it's different for me because you have those sports moments and you've got the, the packs. So they're, they're in different leagues for me personally, but I think they're both really overrated just because of the, the way the market is showing right now. Right. So I don't, I, I'm not directly a sports fan. I, I understand the sentiments behind it because it's, it's amazing, right? Getting people together in such a way around one subject. It's always a beautiful thing, but the, the, there, there's, there's something physical right now. There are fans around that certain sport and i i think the community is in the real world and you don't have to directly digitize everything in a way yeah uh, i think i th i should leave it with that it's an interesting take though yeah i i, 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 I think I it's a personal thing 
Uh, it's a really personal yeah. thing. So uh, how do you guys look at it? So Jean-Luc is way into sports. I am not. So I, I completely ignored the top shot and all the thing. I went into gaming and the, I, I see huge potential in gaming. So I want to direct this uh, to you since you mentioned in your origin story, like you are into Diablo, I played a lot, not sure how much of a gamer you still are. So Blizzard Entertainment, overrated or underrated? Blizzard, creators of Diablo. You have to look, I, I'm actually rocking a PlayStation oh. mic. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm not really active in, in gaming anymore. Blizzard, yeah, World of Warcraft, so Diablo, I really liked it and I had a lot of fun with it. And I think that's the reason why I don't uh, feel uh, a gap between normal conversation and a digital conversation, right? So I feel really accustomed to it and I think Gaming really prepared you for that, right? So going to to one certain uh, goal with a group of people online builds community and friendships and conversation. And I, I think a big part of my life uh, revolves around that. And it started with playing games online with friends. So online gaming, overrated, underrated? To just to... I think it's underrated big time. Okay, cool. Mainly the sentiment uh, and maybe sports is as well. I, I don't know, Jean-Luc, you, you love sports? Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at comments. I'm looking at Nigel's comments. For me, it's quite simple. I love sports. I, I love sports. So for me, it's really easy. It's really easy for me. So I would say definitely for me, it's definitely still in the early stages. I wouldn't definitely say, I say in certain points, you're right. Certain points are overrated, but I think the, the utility, people don't understand the utility quite yet of things like NBA, yeah. I think there will be it, much it, more. I think when yeah, people see the full utility, utility part, if people see the full utility of, of NBA Top Shot, definitely. As a collectible? As a collectible. I mean, I'm, I'm in that phase now that for me, like there's one rare moment in my collection, which is not even the most expensive moment in my collection, but I can definitely tell you that moment I'm going to keep forever. I think it's hugely underrated. People don't know the player. Because it's a it's a moment from the WNBA and people don't follow the WNBA. And I was there. I was a very big NBA fan when the WNBA first came about. So for me, that's like and like Miguel saying a Biggie Boy UFC. If 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 the because I'm not sure if he means the one where Biggie Boy got knocked out or actually a Biggie Boy KO. Because if there's already a Biggie Boy KO at UFC Strike, I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna. I'm going to stack those up and I'm going to keep them. Like if, as soon as there's like Surinamese NFT moments, I'm just going to stack them completely. I'm already doing a stacking stack out challenge just because it sounds so awesome. So if you're going to go to own the moment and you're going to go at the, the, the lowest, cheapest Jerry stack house, you will see that I own already 20 or 26 of those because I just like the concept of hashtag stacking stack house. And in 10 years time from it, I want to be known as like stacking stackos, those kind of things, which have like no real life value whatsoever, but they're just really cool. Those are kind of things that I'm into. Uh, I want to yeah. leave the last over under from my side to Solana. Yeah. So I started off with VeChain, went to Solana regarding the costs mainly. And I think. 
looking at the overall market, Solana is, is kind of overrated. I like Ethereum better because the market is there. Solana, there's a lot of volume, but it just feels like too divided for me, right? So it's a personal thing. It's, I'm less educated on, on the workings of the, the marketplaces. I'm less educated on the, the, the ways contracts are built. I've, I've heard some news around tokens being e easily, they, they can mint more on a certain contract. I'm just not well-educated on that part. And that makes it overrated for me. All right. Because if, if there was, would be more personally, if, if I had more news around it revolving through my current feed, it would be more relevant. So that, that that's where I'm coming from. And for you guys? Yeah, I, 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 I agree with it. I tried looking at it for three times now. Every time I looked at it, I just kind of bounced away from it because, but I think Miguel disagrees. He is a huge proponent of Solana, but it's kind of the same, similar conclusion, even though the fees are, <laughs> et cetera. If you're invested in something, if you're invested in something. Yeah, it's, it's I, 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 I don't see project. the traction of you know, the, the development, the developer space that Ethereum has, the, the track record of, you know, it has been battle tested, even though there are gas fees, the gas fees seem high now because the price of Ethereum shot up. If you, if you look at something like Polygon, for example, if you look at it in terms of gray gas, it's kind of similar, but because the price of Polygon is a fraction of Ethereum, it seems in dollar or Euro terms, very little. So I'm looking on how. Ethereum 2.0 will evolve, but I'm still very more bullish on Ethereum versus Solana just because of the sheer amount of development and community there already is in that space. Yeah, that's uh, kind of how I feel about Solana. I may look at it again in the near future, but it having gone yep. gone down three two or four times, I've heard kind of doesn't. Have you used it? I have bought Sol once. I checked out Justin's project on Fractal. I was looking if I should buy in or not, but again, it, the, the, it, it doesn't, you know, give me the same vibe as an Ethereum community. So I, I didn't pull the trigger. For me, it's just too much. It's just too much. I, I can't keep up with everything that's going on. So I'm choosing my projects and basically I've chosen my projects for 2022 and I'm just keeping to this and I don't have, I don't have a lot of FOMO, so that's, that's the biggest advantage that I have. I have zero FOMO for whatever project. I just look at things that I like, and I think that are at least, they're not too worrisome for me because again, I want to do low risk projects and low risk projects are more important for me than having massive gains because I have a gambling gene within my family. I'm a little bit half Chinese, so I'm very careful with kind of like overspending on, on NFTs. Diego, I think, uh, I'm still here. My camera dies, but, uh, I'm going to yeah. drop my last over under, uh, so, uh, Bo can do that. And then you can close off my last one. Since you mentioned gambling, not gambling, <laughs> but having or experiencing a big financial loss or rug, is that overrated or underrated? Oh, rugs are, are pretty underrated. I think, I think everybody needs to experience a good rug to get affiliated with uh, the blockchain and NFTs. 
you're not a trooper without getting rugged at least 10 times, right? <laughs> oh my God. 10 times. I, I got to agree, but not 10 times, but I do agree that experience teaches you a lot. A lot. <laughs> so getting back to Solana, my three first experiences there were rugs, right? So <laughs> maybe that's why I think it's overrated. <laughs> That that adds so much more context. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but one of my biggest gains was there as well. So it's it's a love hate relationships. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nigel is uh, shilling Solana. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, this was fun. Love the closing off, and wish we had some more time to dive deeper. Uh, we already went way over our usual hour mark, but Bo, thanks again for coming on. I will drop the invite links for the Dutch NFT community in the description when this podcast goes live as well. Speaking of, is there anything in particular you're, aside from the, the new company, the new job you have, you're looking forward to in the short term or long term in 2022? Yeah, so I'm really excited for Free Friends uh, Series 2, and that's why I'm advising Jean-Luc to buy four more. That's why I'm advising Miguel to buy one more because you need five, I think, to uh, be eligible in a certain way. I'm not sure because book games are pay played forever. So no financial advice, but now I'm just uh, really excited, right? So I, I really don't know what's going to happen. I'm just really happy. Like you said, John Luke, it's all about the experience. It's about uh, making the story for yourself. It's an adventure and it's with highs and lows. And I think it brings the best out of most people and talking with like-minded people is always a good idea. It, at least this conversation with you guys opened my mind a bit because I wasn't aware that sports wasn't underrated, right? It's probably, probably rated in the NFT scene and just experiencing Hive in a way, because if you're a representative from Hive in a way, I really want to be affiliated with Hive because yeah, it's, it's just so interconnected, right? It's, I just want to have many more of these conversations in the short term. And that's really important. I got the message. I'm going to join the discord. I got the message. <laughs> do, do we have a, a weekly Wednesday after dinner talk tomorrow? I, I didn't schedule it, but I think I have to, but also fun news and Heading over to Amsterdam tomorrow to figure out with Dolator if we're going to host another NFT AMS and also trying to figure out when it should be. So I'll keep you guys updated through the community. So you really have to join John Luke. And as it's evolving right now, it might be in June because there are a lot of events around June. We'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. And let me know if you want to be involved in any way or shape or form because the way I see it, you guys are a part of our community as well. Awesome to be here, guys. Thank you so much. No, appreciate it. Thanks, uh, especially Nigel for hanging out in the comments with us. And this episode will publish it in the weekend for the podcasting platforms. Thanks again. Jean-Luc closes up. Thank you so much for joining, Bo. For everybody who watched live, thank you as well. For those watching or listening to the recording, thank you for your support as well. This has been Social Convos. See you back next week. Same place, same time. Bye-bye.